Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. And you can follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. Coming up in a few minutes in today's Clark Rageous Moment, a follow-up on something we've had calls about, and that is when you're receiving a pension and then the company comes and says, oops, pay it back, pay it back now. And later, I got an easy way for you to fatten your wallet. There's an easy process I want you to go through that can save you money each and every month. I'm going to tell you what it's all about. Right now, I want to talk about the price war going on in the investment community. You know, in my lifetime, there's never been a circumstance like this. And if you want to know how odd my childhood was when other kids were paying attention to uh, what was going on with this sport or that sport or the other sport, I was learning to read stock tables in elementary school. And so I have had a focus in my life on investing for pretty much as far back as I can remember. And I have never seen anything like what's going on right now. And this is an extraordinary opportunity with a great sizzling deal that people in the investment community are putting out as much disinformation as possible about what Fidelity Investments has done because they are scared. You know, a lot of people pay high commissions, high fees to handle investments, to have somebody handle investments for them. And Fidelity did something that had been talked about for a couple of years, but it seemed like it was kind of extreme. Fidelity is now offering a couple of their main investments, not only commission-free, but fee-free, meaning that you are able to invest in companies like somebody like Warren Buffett would at basically no cost. And so Fidelity has gone all in on eliminating account minimums, no account fees, and you now can go into a handful of the most popular funds, index funds, at zero cost. Not just no commission, but no fees at all. And Fidelity has to do stuff like this because they had really lost their mojo in the marketplace as people like Vanguard have been getting all the growth. And Vanguard now is the second largest investment organization in the world. And they've done it by having extremely low costs. So Fidelity had to do something that was an attention getter, and they have now with zero cost investing. And that's pretty great. But the best part of it is it puts a focus on what I want to make sure you're aware of. If you have the person you go to, 
particularly if you use a full commission stock brokerage. You just have no idea how much of your hard-earned money is being run off with in fees or commissions. You don't know how much the investment choices you're put into are because somebody is trying to win the contest for the free trip to Hawaii. You don't know, and what you don't know can really hurt you because the investment community is splitting in two and it's a gap wider than the parting of the Red Sea with on one side these ultra-high costs and on the other side virtually no costs to investing at all. You know, the number one factor if two people are doing a good job putting money aside for their future, now remember, you got to start with that if, that they're putting money aside for their future. The most important factor in who's going to have money down the road is not that somebody picked this, that, or the other. It's the cost of the investments they're in. That that is the most important thing. And know that if you get your financial advice from an insurance person, you get it from a full commission stockbroker, in both cases, you're getting what's known as conflicted advice. That they have behind the curtain either pressure to sell certain things or incentives to sell certain things to you because it benefits them or the insurance company or stockbroker they work for. Keep it clean, keep it simple, and keep the costs low, and that's at the heart of you doing well with your money. Tom is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Tom. Hey, Clark. I'm really excited about giving a chance to actually say hello to you. Well, it's great to have you here, and you got plenty of time to say hello because normally right now you'd be watching a movie, but you can't right now easily. No, but I have to say before I get, and I'll get straight to my point, I'm getting you ready to go on vacation with me again. You go on vacation with me every year, and uh, on Saturdays and Sundays, you're the only podcast I listen to all weekend, so... This year, you're going to Sweden. And I get to go to Sweden, and I don't have the jet lag. You get the jet lag. I just get to take the trip electronically. Have have you ever been to Sweden before, by the way? I have not. This is my first time. I'm going to Sweden and Norway. All right. They are both outstanding. They are surprisingly very different destinations, even though they sit right next to each other. But I love them both, although I'd I'd say I prefer, because I love beautiful scenery, I prefer Western Norway as my favorite. And I hope you get, as part of this itinerary, to go to Bergen and to go to the fjords north of Bergen, because they'll be as beautiful as anything you'll likely ever see in your lifetime. And I am going there, actually. And you'll be with me. Well, great, great. Well, the reason I called, and I had been meaning to call some time ago, but this weekend, or this week, just really got me riled 
about MoviePass. And there was an article that was put out uh, Thursday or Friday by uh, CNN or CNET comparing uh, the different uh, ways to go to the movies, including MoviePass. Well, I had gotten this, uh, I signed up for MoviePass after listening to you in the beginning of the year. And it worked. It had some glitches, but it was okay. And I understand there's some monetary issues and they had to change something. I appreciate that. But then they got this new thing, you know, that you probably uh, are aware of, where, you know, they block out uh, movies at different times, et cetera. So then the question becomes, is it still good for me? Probably it's it's not going to matter because I don't see how MoviePass is going to survive. I assume when you return from Sweden and Norway, MoviePass will not be there for you because they're broke. They had to go to a high-risk lender last week, and now they're going to restrict people to three movies a month, apparently, in the latest attempt to keep things cooking. So I understood they had to borrow a lot of money. And I'm looking at what theaters are doing, and they're making offers, like at Regal and uh, AT, whatever. AMC, uh, yeah. A- a- AMC. And there, it's a little higher, but you get a lot more. And then, of course, there's Costco. So I'm Yeah, but going, I, think, I think that if you love to go to the movies, how many movies a month would you say you've been seeing as a movie pass subscriber? I go at least once a weekend. All right, so then I wouldn't go. do the Costco thing. I would look at, for example, the AMC program where you can see a movie a week, and the math of that program still works out very well. And movie pass is one of those things that people have a love-hate relationship with. They both love it and hate it at the same time because it's been a bit of a chore to use it, but it's been such a, a great deal, too good a deal, and every person who signs up, they lose money on, and maybe they'll pull this out, but I doubt it because the business plan didn't make sense and to this point has not worked. Hope you have a great, great trip. Kathy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Sure, Kathy. What's going on? Well, I have a question regarding my daughter. Uh, She's in college. She's 21. When she graduates from college, she's going to be uh, getting her own car insurance. And uh, so the question has to do with the, the title of the vehicle is in my name. And I'm just wondering if I'm talking about liability here. I'm wondering if the car still technically belongs to me, but once she has her own car insurance, if something happens, do I have liability? Should Potentially, I get- yes, and that can vary by state, but you don't want to even worry about that. Is the okay. car paid for? Uh, yes, we, we bought a used car. It's actually a 2000, so it's, it's a hybrid. It's you know, 18 years old at this point. We bought it used. It's paid for. Yes. So it would make the most sense because... You have assets, uh, you know, just coming out of college, she doesn't. She should both own the vehicle and insure it. If she's the one paying for the insurance completely, it's a lot smarter for you for her to be the whole thing, to own the vehicle and insure that vehicle 
removing that liability potential from you. That's what I was thinking. Okay, wonderful. Great. And do you have any uh, advice or tips for someone who is, she's been on my insurance all along. Um, Do you have any advice for, I mean, I think it'll be really expensive because she's never had her own insurance policy before. Yeah, you know, it's, it's crazy what's happening. People who live in urban and suburban communities under age 25, more and more are not owning a car and they're getting around using Uber and Lyft or whatever methods are getting around because the insurance cost is so cost prohibitive in so many areas of the country that they're choosing not even to have a vehicle for that reason. Right. And sure. so a lot has to do with where you live, what your commuting patterns are. But there are, I think it's a third of people don't have a driver's license by their 18th birthday now. Where, wow. You know, because of the costs and hassle involved. And the insurance industry, I know, is trying to price for risk, but they're potentially reducing their future pool of insureds by how difficult they're making it for people till their 25th birthday. Yes. So she's going to need to shop around thoroughly, and with a vehicle that old, all she wants is liability on it. No no coverage at all for damage to the vehicle. Maybe um, uh, uninsured motorist coverage to protect her in case she gets hit by somebody and injured by somebody um, who is not in a position to pay for her to be mended, but the car itself, you don't cover it other than the risk that she might present behind the wheel. So the more she shops, the better off she'll be in terms of what she's going to pay. She's got to make sure she's getting the same liability coverages quotes from everybody she talks to. Today's Clark Rageous moment is a follow-up on something we've talked to two people about on the air over the last year It is an unbelievable example of corporate insensitivity involving AT&T. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. AT&T unapologetically is doing something that, as best anybody knows in the financial industry, has never happened before. AT&T is sending retirees, not all of them, but apparently a pretty significant number of retirees, telling them that AT&T miscalculated their pension years ago, maybe decades ago, even going back to the 1990s, and now is sending demand letters, which are the ones I've talked to people who've called in about, saying, you owe us this much money, we made a mistake, no proof, pay us the money right now. And that's the call that I've taken to prior times. Now, it's reported that AT&T is hiring ultra-aggressive debt collectors to call and harass their formerly loyal employees, now retirees, demanding payment, calling as much as many times a day, according to reports in Fortune magazine and the Wall Street Journal, and AT&T is completely unapologetic about it, says, oh, it's standard industry practice. As best anyone can find out, no other company has ever behaved 
in such a rotten, terrible way towards its retired former employees. AT&T should be ashamed of itself. You know, AT&T can't get its billing straight to its customers. How in the world would you be able to trust that AT&T is anywhere close to right on what they're saying people have been overpaid or not on pensions? AT&T needs to just behave itself. And I know it's hard for a large corporation to show any heart and soul, but at the very least, they should be able to provide absolute proof to these retirees that any money is owed whatsoever, and in a cooperative manner, work with people on how AT&T might get some of this money back instead of harassing them. Shame on you. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas so you can keep more of what you make. So there's something that I have talked about in the past that I now can put real numbers to, and it's how much money the average person wastes on monthly subscriptions that just usually auto-bill or auto-debit and you don't even remember they're there. If you don't go through your credit card statements line item by line item or your checking account line item by line item, you're spending a lot of money that has no value or purpose in your life. Or you're spending a lot of money way more than you need to if you went and shopped for the service. Now, there was a survey done of 2,500 people by in a marketing agency that found that roughly 85% of the people surveyed underestimate how much they're spending on monthlies that either bill automatically or that bill them every month, obviously a monthly. When people were surveyed, these 2,500 people, they thought they were spending $111 each month on things like um, pay TV, apps, uh, streaming TV services, wi- uh, internet service, 111 What were people actually spending on average? 237 So I want you to think about that for a minute. The average person thinks they're spending less than half in a month what they are. Now, compare that to when we go to buy gasoline, that people will go to the station across the street that's one cent a gallon cheaper, right? One cent a gallon. So you fill up the tank, maybe you saved 15 to 20 cents. But then when it comes to dollars, real dollars, we forget about that. Don't forget about it. Take the time to go through your statements. You know, here it is right the week that monthly statements are going to show up at your house or condo or apartment or wherever you live, the cave, whatever. Anyway... Take the time to go through and actually see where your money's going. And in so many ways, you can reduce what you're spending. 
In fact, I never remember a circumstance where I went over monthly bills with someone, which is something I've done historically on the TV side. There's never been a circumstance that somebody could not reduce their expenses by $1,000 a year. 1000 Now, who couldn't use $1,000? So it's up to you. It's clear that we're our cluelessness is hurting us. And the more you're clued in, the better off you're going to be. And don't be a creature of habit. Because particularly with anything with technology, if you're someone who just keeps doing what you've been doing because it's what you've been doing and you keep doing it, then all you do is you waste money. I have uh, my middle brother is on Verizon for cell phone service. And I've been on him for a couple of months to go to Verizon's discount brand, which would save him because he's got himself, his wife, his mother-in-law on his plan, that if he went to the visible mobile operation, he would save himself was it $145 a month on his cell phone service? And every so often I'll say, Neil, have you done it yet? Have you switched to visible? And he hadn't done it. And so he's just wasting money. It's the same exact Verizon service, a Verizon operation just as a discounter, visible.com. So if you're someone whose creature habit, you love Verizon, but you are paying a lot of money, go to Visible. $40 a month for a line, unlimited talk, text, data. Much better deal than from the, the parent company. The baby is better than the parent in this case, saving you a lot of money. If you use a cell phone very little, go to Unreal Mobile, Typical Unreal Mobile customer pays $15 a month for cell phone service. One five, fifteen dollars Unlimited talk, unlimited text. Two gigs of data a month. Two gigs of data is enough for, oh, probably about a little bit more than half of cell phone users in the country. Just think about all these things. And whoever you're with for each service, shop it to see what somebody else is offering. When there's something you see, you're, ooh, I didn't realize I was paying for that. I don't use that at all. Just disconnect that, whatever it is, and save money. Promise. Take my $1,000 challenge. Chris is with us on the Clark Howard Show, and I'm going to hear from my brother. He's going to say, what are you doing picking on me? Chris is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Chris. How's it going today? Great, thank you. You know, Chris, the brother I was talking about is older and wiser. And I'm picking on him where he doesn't have a chance to rebut me. That's not fair at all, is it? <laughs> ah, brotherly love. Well, but see, I have to get even with him because when I was 11, I beat him in a basketball game, and he got angry, and he picked me up, threw me into a fence, and broke my arm. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> he, he now says he doesn't remember that. <laughs> So what's going on, Chris? 
Oh, not much. Just need some uh, financial financial advice from me, please, sir. Let's see if I can help. All righty. I uh, I'm right now. I'm living paycheck to paycheck, and I don't want to have to do that, especially starting a family. And I'd like to start investing, and I have no idea where to go, what to do, or what to look for. So what do you suggest? Where you work, do you work for yourself or do you work for a company? I work for a company. And do they offer any kind of retirement plan that you can be part of? Yes, sir. Is it a 401k or what kind of thing do they have? It's a 401k. So, and you're not participating in that? Uh, yes, sir, I am. Oh, then you're not. Okay. So maybe cash flow, you're living paycheck to paycheck. But the very first thing to do, you're already doing. And that is when you have an offer of an employer retirement plan, you want to participate in it, put money in it, and that even if nothing else is going right with what happens with your paycheck after you get it, that's a really important thing to get right. So how much of your pay are you putting in that employer plan? I think it's maxed out at 10%. All right. So you need to be kind to yourself because you were really harshing on yourself when we started talking. You're saving a dime of every dollar you make. Okay. And that's great. So there are other things you can do. And uh, let me go old school for a minute. If you want to have some money aside for something happens like an oops, the you know, transmission goes out in the car or whatever. It's just when something happens, there's never any reserve. Is that pretty much where you are right now, right? Correct, correct. So what I'd like you to do is set up with payroll where you have a certain amount of money that goes straight into a savings account with a credit union or better yet with one of the online banks. Okay. So if you take some money every pay period and whatever it is you think you can afford that you put aside every pay period, you put into that savings, and then you start over time, it won't happen at once, but you start over time building up that rainy day money, that emergency money. You know, you can't just wish it to happen, just like you're doing something you didn't give yourself any credit for, saving the 10% of your pay for retirement. If you will do whatever amount you can afford each pay period into savings, just like that's on automatic, you'll put putting money in savings on automatic. Do you have an account with a credit union? Uh, I do not. All right. Well, that's something I'd like you to look at doing because credit unions are there for their members, they're owned by the members. If you open an account, you're an owner. And they will, I mean, you can just say, hey, here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to uh, build up some emergency money. And they'll say, all right, let's do this. We'll deposit your paycheck in our checking account and we'll put this much every time into our savings account. You can link them. You can do any of a number of things. And just by having the money go into savings before you get your net check, it changes things for you because you're automatically living on less than what you make. Okay. And when I say online banks, are you familiar with that stuff? Like you may have seen some of the TV ads for like Ally Bank or uh, Marcus or 
Uh, let's see, Capital One has an online bank. There are a bunch of them. Have you ever seen yes, any sir. of that stuff? Yes, sir. So you can, if you don't want to change where you bank right now, you can set up an account with one of those onlines. It's free to do. And just have part of your paycheck go into into a savings account with one of them every month, and you'll build up that emergency money you need. Okay. You do that, you're going to be fine. Sounds good to me. Because you're already doing more than you were crediting yourself for and need to pat yourself on the back about that 10% of your pay you're already saving. Okay. So keep that up, and that will lead to a very positive future for you. Best to you. That'll work. Thank you, sir. Sure. Scott's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Scott. Hey, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Scott. You have a question in the realm that no one has asked me probably in five years. I know. I'm looking into a short sale. I listen to you all the time. It's an honor and a privilege, and I haven't heard any advice on this subject, so I'm really excited to talk to you. Well, the, the, typically the reason that I get no short sale questions anymore and haven't uh, most of this decade is that once real estate stabilized in much of the country, people ended up back above water with their homes. When did you buy the home that's upside down? In 2007, so the perfect time. Yeah, 07, there are some people around the country who bought a home in 06 or 07 that are still upside down. How much upside down are you 11 years later? So I owe about 150 on it, and I could probably sell it for 75 to 85,000, unfortunately. No. No, really. Yeah, we live in an apartment. It was a condo conversion, and right in the middle of the conversion, that's when everything went bust, and they went back to apartments. So I am an owner living amongst many renters, so banks will not loan uh, to any potential buyers. Understood. Understood. So uh, if you were to turn that into a rental property, instead of looking at trying to do a short sale, what would you be able to pull per month in rent based on the prevailing rents in the apartment complex? I think after all the HOA fees and everything, I'd be at a deficit of two to $300 a month. And it's not something I'm looking forward to either. So that's why I'm looking at a short sale because I don't think being a landlord is for me. Right. There's almost no vocabulary at lenders anymore about doing short sales. Have you been to see a real estate lawyer yet? I have spoken with a lawyer and uh, that specializes in short sales, and my ex-wife, is, who is on the loan as well, she is totally fine with it, and she actually, actually helps the cause because of her income, uh, but my income is a little higher, and the, the lawyer, to keep it short, they said, you need to show that you can't make this payment. And he's telling me that that could be possibly taking on another car payment. And he even mentioned maybe purchasing another home to show that the the budget shows that I cannot make that $1,050 payment a month. And that's kind of, it's kind of a sticky slope between being ethical and, you know, using the rules to your advantage. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of stuck right there. Well, I mean, and you're completely right. Because I, I, I breathed a deep sigh when you were talking about that, because what we're talking about 
or tactics to to hit the underwriting standards that might qualify you for a short sale and i'm not going to go against what the lawyer said you just got to know that it is a process that is an amoral process at best and you'll have to decide are you willing to do things like that because you know it will still be a real problem for you on your credit for seven years following the short sale right and if you were to do the other thing people may have suggested to you which is to allow for a foreclosure the problem is then there's recourse involved where potentially the lender can come after you for their losses right that's why the short sale sounds much better to me as a possibility at least so uh, this is one that i can't i mean you already understand that the process is going to be sticky it's going to be messy and it will involve a moral compass you just have to decide with your ex-wife are you willing to go that route and if so go for it otherwise the alternative is toughing out a situation that may not turn around if this has been a conversion back to apartments it is a terrible moral dilemma that i don't have a good roadmap for you to answer this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance hey listeners whether you love true crime or comedies celebrity interviews news or even motivational speakers you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue right and guess what now you can call the shots on your auto insurance too Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question at Clark.com. Producer Joel asks it. What you got, Joel? Clark Phyllis wrote in and she says, what do you think of Costco's auto buying program? Costco's auto buying program is great. It works differently than a lot of the other car buying programs, like the ones that one at Sam's or USAA or from True Car, which behind the scenes has a lot to do with the USAA and Sam's Club program. The Costco program is based on the strength and numbers that a generally affluent customer base, membership base that Costco has. They're able to get great prices on cars. For members. Costco now, if it were a dealer, might well be the largest dealership in the United States. So their group buying power essentially gets you a no negotiation, good price, free of hassle on a new vehicle that you're interested in buying. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast of our show, I'd love it if you'd subscribe. Whatever your favorite podcast app is, we're pretty much there. And whether you love what you hear from me or hate it, take time to write a review. It's how we all learn from each other is from those reviews. 